Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And Dennis Stewart, we've talked about the med- well, you've talked about mm-hmm. the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, but you've been doing some reading, which gives you another dimension. We have, Jane. I think probably first of all we just need to remind listeners that when we're talking about the Mediterranean diet, we're talking about a diet that is utilised by people that live in countries surrounding the Mediterranean sea or ocean, if you like. Now, the Mediterranean diet is characterised by some fairly simple principles, and I'll say them quickly so that people will understand what we're talking about. The Mediterranean diet is a diet that emphasises particular things. It emphasises, for instance, seafood, as opposed to our traditional source of protein, which is red meat protein, a lot of fish. It also emphasises the incredibly important role of olive oil being seen as a food, not just to be used occasionally, but to characterise one's eating across the day, taking the place of a lot of the dairy products that we use for the spreading of our bread, etc. It's a diet that emphasises a lot of vegetables, particularly unique vegetables, to the Mediterranean area, the good example being the eggplant. Um, a lot of capsicums, the various coloured capsicums that we see in our, in our fruit shops and supermarkets. It, it emphasises a lot of fruits, and particularly, of course, the grape. It also emphasises, as you would expect, a great deal of sensible use of what we would refer to as red wine. Now, those sorts of principles, red wine, multiple coloured vegetables, and I emphasise that, multiple coloured vegetables spearheaded, say, by the eggplant, also, the, uh, the incredible dependence on seafood. These are the sorts of things that have allowed a diet to be labelled as the Mediterranean diet. And this is the diet that many writers on health are now referring to. Very popular writers today are talking about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet for longevity, etc., etc. But recently, I was stimulated to raise the topic again because reading an article that occurred in the Sydney Morning Herald on Thursday, August 31, an article entitled Cardiovascular Drug Breakthrough and looking at an article which spoke about a particular drug that was being used to address heart disease, cardiovascular disease, from the point of view of being a drug that lowers the level of inflammation in the blood vessel. In that article, there are also some very useful tips at a non-drug level, if you like, of achieving benefits associated with reducing a major or considered major cause of cardiovascular disease, not just to be seen as a cholesterol-based problem, that is part of it, but to be seen as essentially a disease that incorporates inflammation within the blood vessel wall. So that many cardiologists today talk about inflammation being the issue now associated with much of cardiovascular disease and management of cholesterol is important, keeping the blood thin is important, so mainstream approaches within medicine utilising those factors are important. But the interesting thing was, in that article, there was a column entitled Top Tips to Help Your Ticker Stay Healthy, and the Mediterranean diet was brought up as a diet that is significant in its benefits of lowering the level of inflammation in the blood vessel. Listeners, take it on board. Inflammation within the blood vessel now is considered to be a significant factor in seeking to explain cardiovascular disease, considering the fact that about 50% of people die of cardiovascular disease 
who have normal cholesterol levels. So this is a big issue. And what they quoted was this, a Dr. Asim Maholtra, an award-winning cardiologist, considered the Mediterranean diet to be a major factor improving heart health. And what did he say? A major factor because what does it do? It reduces inflammation within the blood vessel. And the things that he says is that if you work or if you were to eat and structure your diet around the Mediterranean emphasis, not only would you have a lower cholesterol level, but inflammation. This is what the emphasis I want to mention today. Inflammation, which is now considered to be associated with blood vessel damage, with heart attacks, etc. The Mediterranean diet is now claimed by this award-winning cardiologist to have the effect of improving heart health by reducing inflammation. That's a major factor. This diet is a whizzer, and it can work dramatically from everything that I've read on it. Even this latest column in the Sydney Morning Herald convinces me that the more we move in that direction of incorporating those ideas into our traditional Anglo-eating habits, the more we're likely to move in the direction of heart health. Heather has rung in uh, from Cameron Park. Now, your grandson's got an interesting um, condition, Heather. Yes, he has. It's, it's been diagnosed as clonus. They've done a lot of tests for all the nasty things like cerebral palsy and that, and that's all come back clear. And he's at the moment going through a growth spurt that he tends to fall over a lot. Um, his, his ankles and that, just he's got the clonus in his ankles, and it just gives way. His feet don't work properly, mm. and he's having terrible falls at school. Oh, dear. And I was suggested by someone that maybe magnesium would help or, Heather, I think that would be a little bit too simplistic. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, magnesium is a very good supplement, don't get me wrong, and it would certainly not hurt him. Um, yep. But your grandson has what seems to be a fairly uh, esoteric form of disease, which obviously needs to be left in the ballpark of specialists, um, which he's obviously seeing, neurologists and, and others. Yep. Um, I would... I would think that would be too simplistic. I wish there were uh, yep. something in in, uh, in our system of medicine that could make an impact on it. But unfortunately, in this case, Heather, I'm not aware of anything that I could reliably recommend to you, unfortunately. Do you know much about cloners? No, I don't. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, they've, they've done all the tests for all the, the really bad yes, stuff, and they yes. said um, that's all come back clear, and, and cloners is what's came back. But... Mm. Um, he seems to be all right for a few months, and then when he has a really big growth spurt, which he's having at the moment, he just, yeah, his muscles or whatever, it doesn't catch up to the rest of his body that's growing. Essentially a growth, and, um, a growth process. Yes. Yes, look, I wish I could help you, Heather, but it's one of those I, conditions that unfortunately I know little about. I've not had a lot of experience in, in doing it. Okay. Again, magnesium, I think, is just a little bit too simplistic. But it won't hurt him. Look... And I don't know what else. He's, is he taking any other medication? No, he's not. Okay, look, uh, therapeutic levels or supplement levels uh, are okay so long as they comply with, okay. the, with the recommended daily doses of them. I couldn't see any problem with it. All right. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you, Heather. And thanks for your call, Heather. So 49216216 for your question to go through to Dennis Stewart today.
Give us a call. Got a line free. In the meantime, though, Dennis, um, the Mediterranean diet, is that going to lessen inflammation yes. on its own? Uh, look, I think anything that purports to do something on its own, in my opinion, um, would be a pretty unique thing and needs to be looked at with a great deal of uh, interest, put it that way. My view is that the Mediterranean diet and its impact on cardiovascular health is important also in the context of other lifestyle factors. I think, for instance, that it would be improper to say that uh, going on to a, cardio, uh, going on to a, a Mediterranean diet uh, at the same time when you were smoking, say, 20 cigarettes a day, uh, would likely undo a lot of the benefits that the Mediterranean diet might have on inflammation in the cardiovascular system. One of the things that the good uh, cardiologist that I'm referring to, Dr Malhotra, what he says in his column, for instance, was that, that smoking increases inflammatory molecules in the bloodstream, which over time damages the arteries. So I guess what I'm saying in response to your question, other lifestyle factors can work against even the best movement in dietary direction. And cardiovascular health, let us emphasise, needs to be looked at from a number of perspectives. The dietary side and the benefit of the Mediterranean diet needs to be matched also by other lifestyle things such as exercise, uh, such as moderation in what we drink and the sorts of stuff we drink. For instance, in the Mediterranean, uh, the Mediterranean diet emphasises red wine. And there's a very, very good argument to say that the health virtues of red wine exceed those of the favourite Anglo drink, which is beer. Now, I happen to like beer, particularly on hot days, but um, the value of wine in the diet uh, is seemingly something that has a greater contribution to cardiovascular health than other forms of alcohol ingestion. So cardiovascular health, if we're talking about that, depends upon multiple factors, lifestyle factors, looking at some of the things that work against health, some of the abuses in our lifestyle, over-ingestion of alcohol, cigarette smoking, lack of exercise, a diet that is too structured around carbohydrates. Keep in mind, in the Mediterranean, whilst carbohydrates are eaten, it's usually crude forms of bread. And a lot of the carbs that we ingest are not popularly used there because it doesn't fit into this diet which emphasises fruits, vegetables, simple things, and particularly, as we've said, seafood and fish, rather than emphasis on red meat. It's uh, wonderful to have a look at how that can help health naturally. Karen has rung in from Thornton on 49216216. And you've got a question about Graves' disease, Karen. Yeah, it's... Oh, hi, Dennis. How Hello, are you? I'm very well, Karen. I've just been diagnosed with Graves' disease. Okay, you've had, and a, th- um, you've had a thyroid function test which shows that, does it? Yeah. Okay. And so and what, has your doctor put you on to a neomercosol or something like that? Yes. Okay. Look, uh, I know a bit about um, Graves' disease. My, my dear wife um, has what's called a subclinical hypothyroid condition, which she's had for quite a number of years. It's been very well monitored and observed by uh, our long-standing GP and some recent, recent specialist investigation as well. Um, uh, in, in neomercosol or carbamazide, which is the technical name of the drug, has a, a good track record in some forms of, of hypothyroidism. If it has been prescribed uh, to you by your GP or your, um, uh, your, your specialist, 
I would, yeah, encourage, I would encourage you to give it a go. It has a good track record of success. And is there any other herbs or anything like that I should take? When you're on this sort of medication, it would be unwise, in my opinion, to confuse the issue by uh, using other complementary medications unless you really knew uh, what you were doing. Um, bec- okay. Because there are some herbs, there are some herbs which have consequences on the thyroid. For instance, it wouldn't be advisable for you at this stage to be using a lot of kelp that could interfere with, with, your, with your thyroid um, readings and interact with the drug that you've been given. Uh, also, you'll, you'll see if you were to Google up, you would find uh, some herbs, for instance, the herb Lycopus virginicus, which is commonly known as bugleweed, um, is recommended even by some popular uh, writings from the medical uh, profession as perhaps something to think about in sort of lower or milder forms of, of, of hypothyroidism. But I'm saying that not to encourage your usage of it, but to point out that the uh, usage of complementary medicine and natural medicines, particularly herbal medicines in this case, uh, without uh, having an understanding of p- potential interactions, could confuse what your specialist is seeking to attempt and, and could even interfere with some of the thyroid function uh, readings that your management would depend on. I'd stick with what you're doing. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. And we've had a call from Alan, who won a prize last week. And uh, he's called in from Singleton to say thanks for the stiff, sore and sorry pack and also to say he can now get it in Singleton. Oh, well done. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. How are you, Alan? I understand you're up there in your shed. Yes, he's not on the line, though. He's just (laughs) left his message and gone. Up in your shed. Every man should have a shed, Jane. Every man should have a shed. Especially for listening to the radio on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) 49216216 is the number to ring to get your question or comment or whatever topic through to Dennis Stewart. So um, we've been talking about the Mediterranean mm. diet. While we're waiting for your call to come through, 49216216, um, and we have talked a little bit about other things that yes. we can do to help keep inflammation at bay. We have, and particularly talking about um, blood vessel health. I think probably one of the most important supplements that really emerges from what we were saying about the emphasis on seafood in the Mediterranean diet is to promote the potential benefit of the encapsulated fish oil products. Uh, we don't, well, we don't as a population eat as much seafood as we should. And therefore, when we talk about asking people to go onto the Mediterranean diet, sometimes it's a big ask. What we can do is get some of the benefit of uh, fish oils, the omega-3, for instance, that's found in, in fish, occurs in the fish oil supplements and those supplements being taken in significant dosages have multiple benefits not only on reducing perhaps inflammation within the blood vessel which works against uh, blood vessel damage and potentially works against stroke and heart attack but remember fish oils also have a reasonable reputation for doing other things and that is helping reduce inflammation associated with joints, particularly rheumatoid arthritis. There's a good body of literature suggesting that the fish oils do contribute to reducing some of the inflammatory activity even associated 
with joint conditions. And remember also with, uh, with fish, and I'm emphasising fish, and I don't want people to think that the, the, the encapsulated fish oil, if you like, takes the place of fish. It's, a, it's a, perhaps a, an alternative if one doesn't like fish. But remember, the, the uh, eating of fish and the use of uh, fish oil can help cholesterol profiles, not dramatically drop cholesterol levels, but perhaps push up the good form of cholesterol in the bloodstream, what we call the HDLs, and so work against again another factor that contributes to cardiovascular disease, blockage of the blood vessels or atherosclerosis. So I'm a big fan of fish. I eat a lot of it from this program today. I will make my way into that great uh, Wickham Fish Cooperative and stock up for the weekend and and, uh, fulfil what I believe to be an important thing, working against so many diseases, the constituents of fish, fish oil capsules, or even the good cod liver oil. Now, what about some of the other seafood creatures like prawns and mussels and Well, uh, again, all, all of those are valuable, and I perhaps emphasise the, the, uh, the, the fish factor too much. The, all seafood has certain constituents in them, particularly some of the uh, essential constituents that work against heart disease. So we're not just saying eat fish to the exclusion of everything else. What we're really saying is seafood brings with it uh, benefits in all forms and it's represented in, in, in each member of the fish team, put it that way. Okay, and uh, of course one of the things about fresh uh, fish is that usually we get it fresh. and We We do, and I think this is an important factor. We're blessed in as much that we're able to go and get good fresh fish supplies, and that should be a significant component of our diet. It's interesting, you know, when we talk about uh, the role of of seafood, etc., some of the most interesting work uh, that tended to support the uh, emphasis on seafood and 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 uh, oils from from fish etc years ago it was noted that the uh, eskimos the inuits uh, in canada for instance um, had a relatively good track record as far as cardiovascular disease was concerned puzzlingly because they hardly eat fruits and vegetables they live essentially on seafood and, and eat a lot of blubber Uh, that occurs in seals and things like that. And it was from that it was discovered that the omega-3, which is the fraction of most importance in seafood, the omega-3 factor in this incredibly high fish and seal diet that they were eating was responsible for the health of their cardiovascular systems. And this tended to introduce the idea that... um, using those sorts of uh, oils, using those sorts of omega-3 oils, as we call them, was as important as other factors, such as a lot of fruits and vegetables. So that sort of had a big impact on our attitude towards food and what we can do to to resist uh, cholesterol-based diseases and cardiovascular disease. This is Health Naturally, and your call's most welcome, 49216216. And we have a question now on the paleo diet. Now, can I call you Susan? Yes. Uh, yes, good. Now, Susan, what would you like to Dennis to um, tell you well, about? Well, listening to Dennis with the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. what's your take on the paleo diet? Yeah, look, a good question. I think the paleo diet... Um, 
like all diets, indeed even including the Mediterranean diet, none of them are perfect. The paleo diet, uh-huh. the paleo diet is one of the newer versions of, of uh, dietary ideas which tends to emphasise the eating of food that was characteristic or eaten by early man. And as such, there's a lot of emphasis on this hunter-gatherer type of uh, lifestyle that characterised early man, where, for instance, a lot of animal protein was eaten, for instance, a lot of meat was eaten, Um, a lot lot of fruit was eaten. Uh, Grains and things that came uh, along in the development of of human being, uh, particularly the civilization, those sorts of foods uh, were seen in the paleo diet, as I understand it, as being not ideal because they drift away from some of the early crude dietary ideas of early man. So the paleo diet has some benefits. It gets us back to grassroots. It gets us back to to a protein emphasis, which I believe in, and it gets us away from this obsession that has dominated our society for many decades now that carbohydrates, particularly refined carbohydrates, are good for us. I don't believe that. So it has its good points. It's not perfect. For instance, I do believe that um, there is a role for some grain foods, particularly breads and things like that. Um, I don't embrace it, but I think there's some good aspects about it. And another way of looking at it is it gets people away from uh, modern overemphasis on refined foods, uh, substitute foods, and foods that are rich in, in things like the sugars and the, and the other things which have crept in in modern times. So from that perspective, I agree with it. I would uh, say there are some reservations, but it's a movement in my direction, in the, in the right direction. It would have some benefits also in, 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 in weight loss, moderate weight loss, although it's not put forward as a weight loss program as I understand it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for your call too. And Lynn from Cameron Park has dialed 49216216. Now, Lynn, lupus, rhinos and diabetes. And you're wondering about olive oil, which is, of course, a big part of the Mediterranean diet. Hello, Lynn. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm well, Lynn, yes. Thank you so much. Well, I have lupus. I have Raynaud's phenomenon. I have type 2 diabetes, which I control with diet and exercise. And, um, but like I've heard, um, I'm vegetarian and I don't have, I don't eat meat or fish or chicken, but, um, I'm wondering, like, I see extra virgin olive oil and it's so good for you and I'm having it in moderation because is that not good for my type 2 diabetes? I wouldn't think that a moderate use of extra virgin olive oil would have much impact on your diabetes whatsoever. Oh, good. In fact, it might have some benefits. You you know, and you would have heard me say it frequently. I'm uh, almost a fanatic on yes. the, on the potential virtues of olive oil. Um, yes. Anything used uh, properly as part of one's diet is generally safe. And from what you've said there, with my um, limited knowledge, I can't see any impact on the use of olive oil in your diet on any of those conditions. One thing that would would worry me a little bit, though, is that. From what you've told me, you, you, you're basically a vegan, are you? No, not vegan, just vegetarian. Okay. I do I eat eggs, okay. milk, okay. low-fat okay. cheese. Okay, so I, I was just a little bit worried there that you might have been cutting yourself off 
from major protein sources, but the vegetarian diet is an excellent diet, particularly when it is lacto-vegetarian, that is, when it incorporates things as you have mentioned, eggs, which I'm a great fan of. They were marginalised years ago as a result of inf- information coming from so-called specialist organisations. Yeah, now, now they've come back with so much popularity, and rightly so, 86% assimilable protein, you can't beat you can't beat starting the day with an egg. And in my opinion, the more eggs you have, the healthier you're going to be. So I'm glad you're using eggs. I'm glad you're using some dairy products. You will not have too many problems, I wouldn't think, with a vegetarian diet that emphasises those particular sources of protein. Yeah, well, everything that's low-fat, nearly no carbs, a lot of lentils, kidney beans, whatever. But I um, was having like a dessert spoon of um, extra virgin olive oil three times a day, and then... Um, and then, and then I dropped it off because some, well, somebody said that's not good for diabetes. So you don't, well, well you listen and you don't listen, don't well, you? You've, you've got type 2 diabetes. I, yes. I, I have borderline type 2, which I manage like you. With, diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. You, you do your basic checking yourself, do you, with your prick yeah, testing? Yeah, well, I just had a, um, um, a review, like HbA1c. a HbA1c? Yeah, well, yep. What's your HbA1c, um, Lynn? Um, well, when I test it myself, it's 4.9, 5.2. Okay, well, you're, you're, you're talking then not so much about your HbA1c, but your ordinary oh. blood sugar levels. But if, yeah. you're, if you're getting readings like that, let me just sort of congratulate you. They're not bad readings. Uh, and in my opinion, not knowing a lot about your type 2, if you're getting readings like that, in my opinion, you're doing pretty well. Your GP should be proud of you. Well, she is. I do walk five kilometres a day. Good. And um, I do do some Pilates when I can think, when I feel like it. Look, you're on the right track. You've got a few nasties there, a couple of autoimmune conditions, but all from what you've said, you're managing your health pretty well, and uh, I congratulate you. Peter's rung in from Musselbrook. Gout is on your mind, or maybe on your big toe. Hello, Peter. Dennis, how are you? I'm well indeed. How can we help you? Dennis. I've got a problem with gout. Yes. I um I get it in the ankle. Yes. I get it in both ankles at different times. Yes. And the worst is I get it in the knee. Yes. Now, when I get it in the knee, yes. I can't move. Yes. I can't walk. I believe you. Um, I have cut just about every food out that I can think of, like tomatoes. Mm. I don't drink alcohol. I... Um, don't eat oranges. I and my wife and I—it's been going on for months and months and months. And yep. I've been to the doctor, been to the doctor, yes, and, yes. and he gives me tablets to clear it up. And then he's tried two lots of tablets to actually stop me from getting it. Yes, he's pre- your doctor but, probably your doctor probably prescribed a, a, a drug called allopurinol. Which, which is used as a preventative. Um, yep. it's, it's useful, but if you find that you are still getting it, well, then you have to look at other options. And I'll be brief because time's running out. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's not so much what you cut out. That used to be a fairly popular way of looking at the, the treatment of gout. Cut this out, cut that out, don't eat oysters, yep. don't eat offal. There's been a whole rethink on that because it really didn't explain why some people still get it. Look, the best advice that I could give to you is, this might sound very, very simplistic, but it works. And I, have, uh, I know people that use this 
as a way of counteracting the onset of their gut. The ordinary cherry, the ordinary cherry contains a group yep. of constituents that are well known, and you can Google it up and you'll find that what I'm saying is absolutely correct. The cherry yep. contains a group of constituents known as anthocyanidins, which have a unique anti-inflammatory and uric acid lowering capacity. So that yep. it's in some of the literature, it's put forward that a regular daily supplement of cherry, cherry juice or cherry concentrate can progressively yep. lower the level of your uric acid and lessen the onset of a gout incident. Now, this has been so well recognised that there are products now in the marketplace, and I'm sure you'd be able to get them. One of them is an excellent product called Gout Fighter. Right, right. Jot it down. It comes from a good Australian company, Nature Sunshine. I've done a lot of work for them over the years. Great Australian company, a wonderful manager, very ethical company. That little product works. It has a very concentrated level of cherry extract in it, and I'm in a concentrated level. In a capsule, you're getting a concentrate of the cherry. There are also a couple of other anti-inflammatory and useful herbs with it. Uh, one of them is, is celery seed extract, I think. That little preparation has helped a lot of my patients. I could talk of one particular patient whose trip, planned trip to Indonesia was able to take place because his gout, which had so affected his toe, that it was really considered to be near requiring amputation, and I'm not exaggerating. Yep. There's a whole no, story. Like that. The whole story I could write about that. That chap went on to uh, the gout fighter plus the Blackmore's celloids for that condition. Celloids, I mean the Blackmore's recommended minerals in their celloid range that changed the man's whole experience, got him to, to Indonesia, and uh, as far as I'm aware, is still using that program as a preventative method. Try it. You've got nothing to lose. It's harmless. It's inexpensive. You're going nowhere seemingly presently. Raise it with your GP because if it's going to do you any good, your uh, uric acid blood testing would vouch for the fact that the level is starting to come down. Think of it again. Cherry extract, cherry, cherry uh, juice, um, or even using cherries on a regular daily base as a medicine obviously a little lot easier to take when it comes in an encapsulated form as in the gout fighter. That's the way to go about doing it. All the very best with that, Peter. And uh, Bev has rung in from Toronto, and you've got a question about fish in the diet, Bev. Uh, well, not so much a uh, question, but I'm, I'm in favour of the Mediterranean diet. I've always liked the sound Good of on it. You. Good <laughs> on you, Bev. Mm. <laughs> um, but my uh, GP in Sydney, who is... Um, into nutritional and environmental yes, medicine yes, yes. warned me about fish. He said it's very good. The more you have, the better. But make it small because the bigger the fish, the more the mercury. And uh, that's the case, I suppose, with most that you buy the battered fish in the shop. Um, so he says whiting, small fish, mm. less mercury. And mercury is a big problem for people with having... What, what he's saying there is to an extent true uh, if you were eating a lot of swordfish for instance on a regular basis that might be a bit of a worry i think a lot depends also bev on what part of the world you're living in but interestingly some of the best fish that we can eat particularly for the the the, the omega-3 factors are the cheaper forms of fish particularly things like mullet is an excellent fish uh, salmon uh, those sorts of and sardines those sorts of fish 
which are right at the top, if you like, rather than right at the bottom, are very good sources of fish, albeit periodically I love a feed of swordfish, but I understand where your GP is coming from. It is a major worry in the, in the world today, the level of mercury that's coming into our food chain as a result of, of planetary pollution. But he's right, eat fish from the, from the higher levels, if you like, and think of the ones that I've mentioned, things like gout, not gout, things like mullet, things like mullet and, and, and salmon and uh, sardines. Um, I'll be heading, as I've said, to the fish co-op as soon as I finish this program and I'll take home about half a dozen lovely pieces of mullet. And just time for one more call, Dennis, uh, on Health Naturally today. Debbie from Adamstown. Uh, a comment perhaps, a question on cholesterol? Yes, I, I was just listening to mm. Dennis say about the eggs. Well, I've stopped taking eggs in my diet mm. to try to get my cholesterol down. Yeah. Open eggs and prawns and things, and um, I'm not having much luck with it. I agree. Uh, I agree. I, I would encourage you to eat eggs, and I think the argument in the past that eggs sent your cholesterol up, I think that's questionable, very questionable. I have eggs very, very regularly, and my cholesterol sits on, sits on 4.6. So I question, mm. I question that. It's not so much uh, what you need to cut out, it's what you bring in. If you have moderately elevated cholesterol, do a couple of simple little things. Go to your health food store, and get some globe artichoke extract or leaf. It's remarkable for lowering cholesterol levels in moderately elevated states, and get some red rice yeast extract. Those two things, available from your good health food stores, have a track record of being useful for helping reduce moderately elevated levels of cholesterol. I wouldn't be too concerned about the egg factor. That's my opinion. Thank you for your call, Debbie. And uh, we're just about at the end. Just need to announce that the winner of our draw for our Stiff, Sore and Sorry products is Lynn from Cameron Park, and you can pick those up from Dennis's rooms in New Lambton. Thank you, Dennis Stewart, and we will do it all again next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>